It's the Bengals Nation podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Bengals Nation host, Jed Demusi with Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Bengals Nation podcast, week three of the season. Jed Demusi and Local12.com digital editor and columnist, our man on the Bengals beat, Richard Skinner, joining you. Skinny, yeah. Week one to week two, a big step backwards for the Bengals. I don't think a lot of fans expected after a one-point loss to Seattle that they would come home and get absolutely throttled by the 49ers. No, I, I mean, I don't think you expected the week one performance. I, I, I think you've actually understood if they'd have gone to Seattle and played the way they played against the 49ers right. before you would have believed uh, what, what took place. And, and I guess that's the discouraging part because you start wondering, was week one smoke and mirrors? Was it element of surprise? Um, and now they got a little bit of tape. And now that you got that, it's the same old defense as last year, same personnel. That group gave up 500 yards three, t- three times in a row and, and uh, four times, I think, over the last nine or ten games. I mean, they've given up 500 yards now, I think, five times in the last 12 games. Not that good. speaks to me that I don't think this is a schematic issue. This seems like much more of a personnel issue. And that's where I don't – as a fan, I don't know how you hang your hat on anything until you see it, and I don't know if you're going to see anything you're going to like. It seems like the fans are back into that sky is falling mode. I get it. The 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 honeymoon is over for Zach Taylor. But when you listen to Zach or any of those players in the locker room, and we talked to a few today, I think for us, we we got to be better on first down. We set ourselves back way too many times last week, and um, I mean that hurt us when you're in first and twenty and. Uh, not not being efficient on first down, it makes it tough. Personally, that's not what I do. You know what I'm saying? I'm always on tip-top A-game uh, performance. And, you know, like I said, these past two weeks, it hasn't been that. But like I said, I, I will get back to, you know, doing the things that I do best, and that's running that rock. So I'm going to get it popping real soon. They see the mistakes. We, we've been very clear with that. Um, again, accountability has been there every single day. And... I don't think it's for me to say whether I'm motivated or not. I take the approach I take every single day along with our coaching staff. And, um, you know, we, we believe in what we're communicating and, and we want our players to see that belief and they feel confidence through that. It just seems like they aren't convinced that what happened on Sunday is going to turn into a trend. They're talking about we've got to avoid penalties on first down. We've got to be at the right spots for tackling. It sounds like we've got to make the tackle when we get to those spots. Right. Yeah. It doesn't sound like they think that the sky is falling. I get it. Um, as a player, it's still a fairly new season. You have a new coaching staff that you feel confident in at this point. It's going to put you in good position to, to make plays on, on both sides of the ball. And some of it is, I think, correctable. Um, but I, I, it feels like I heard this a bunch last year, too, right, where, hey, it's just one guy on each play. Well, maybe it's one guy on each play because you're not good enough. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess I would understand this if I hadn't seen this same scenario play out week after week after week after week last season. And in this offseason, really the only personnel change you got is Jermaine Pratt in the draft, and he can't get on the field on Sunday. Um, you've lost Darquez Denard to, to injury, so you've lost your nickel corner. Right or wrong, and I think it was addition by subtraction, you lost Vontez Perfect, who was one of your starting linebackers, and when healthy was arguably your best. So it's not like you made this defense better personnel-wise. So, I, I, look, I bought into that schematic stuff myself. I wrote about it. I I thought, okay, maybe that, that he can scheme his Lou Anaruma can scheme his way out of it. And maybe he still can. Maybe this was an aberration. But here's the, here's the flip side. What if we see, and there's no way Buffalo's offense is good enough to put up 500 yards. Okay, I, it, it's not. 
I wouldn't have thought the 49ers was either. Well, <laughs> if, if, they're, if they're good enough to put up 500 yards, it could be this weekend based it, on it, what we've seen. And if they do that, then... I mean, I don't know what I would have right. to say. The only way you're going to fix this is you need not just an off season. You're going to need a few off seasons to make this right. Yeah. Okay. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, there are issues there which you outlined. Offensively, the offensive line, regardless of of who gets the blame for the lack of running game through two weeks for the Bengals, the offensive line has has not necessarily played up to a level that I guess the fans are happy about the team is happy about because they're not able to run the ball and it doesn't sound like Cordy Glenn the 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 offensive tackle is is anywhere close to coming back yeah I mean and again I, I don't take the concussion thing lightly I know, I know I know some fans maybe can roll their eyes it's been a month and I get it I mean it, it's not normal a lot of times two weeks is a long time to be in protocol usually you're in it you probably miss a game because of it and you're able to work your way back in. And there are steps. There are literal steps you have to take to, to get out of the protocol. Uh, you may remember uh, heading into the week one game, he took some of those steps, it looked like, on that Wednesday uh, where he went out and did a workout. That's kind of the, one, of the, one of the midway point steps. And you're thinking, oh, okay, well, that, that's encouraging, and, and probably he'll be cleared for the game. And he wasn't. And we still sit here today, and they still consider him day to day. Um, he's not the only thing that's going to fix the running game. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's a whole thing. But, yeah, but, look, let's face it, he – he is a quality starting left tackle. He's not a Pro Bowl caliber guy, but he is a quality starting left tackle in this league, um, and he would certainly be an upgrade for your run game. I mean, Jed, the stats just don't lie. I, I don't, I, you know, they didn't run it in the preseason with the first team group. They didn't run it last or two weeks ago in Seattle. They didn't run it in all this game. I know Zach Taylor in the, in the press conference on Wednesday talked about, you know, you just got to look at the first half runs. Well, okay, I'll look at the first half runs, and they weren't very good. And yeah, I know a couple of them were called back by a hold, but. Maybe they're questionable holds, but you know maybe the run worked because you did hold. So I don't know how they schemed their way out of this either because I, I need to see it, and I haven't seen it to this point. I know Joe Mixon tried to put it on himself, and good for Joe. That was nonsense. I mean, this is not a Joe Mixon issue. Uh, he's a quality back, and, and you give him a little crease, he's going to make something happen with it. Uh, you need to get those guys in the offensive line got to block better. And honestly, then it just goes back to maybe they're not capable. I, I mean, at some point you have to just say maybe these guys are not capable of doing these things, and it's going to take you some time to, to fix all of this stuff. As the as the Cordy Glenn situation goes on, and this is pure speculation, but do you think that there's something more there that they're potentially not telling us, whether it's a mental thing or whether it's something other than a concussion, another physical ailment, something? Yeah, I don't think it's the, the mental thing. Um, I, I see Cordy coming in and out of the building um, regularly. I, you know, I'll be wandering around, you know, making a phone call outside the media room on a, on a Wednesday afternoon. It feels like I, I always see Cordy coming back into the facility. From, from his car, so he's, he's been somewhere, and all that's somewhere for treatment, whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it's something more than concussion at this point. It, it has to be. It just it, This isn't normal. And again, I'm one that um, I don't take the concussion thing lightly. It's real. It affects these guys. We've seen it. You know, Now there's case study after case study of it. Uh, so I'm not here to tell you he's not a tough guy for not coming back. No, there's a protocol, and he's got to get out of it. But yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. You, when you're now on, what, 32, 33 days right. out, that's usually not normal for, for not getting out of the protocol. Buffalo Bills, the opponent this week, this is a 2-0 and team. Maybe he doesn't want to play Buffalo. He doesn't want to go back. He doesn't want to go back. There are a few guys that, that will go back on offense and defense. We talked to a few of them in the locker room. What do you expect to hear from fans when you go back? Uh, I don't know. probably don't know who I am, but they're probably going <laughs> to boo John Miller and they're going to boo Cordy for sure. Nobody likes Cordy. 
I'm definitely expecting to get, get booed for sure. Um, but it'd it be, it be, be a good environment to go back and uh, play in Buffalo, and uh, it'd be a lot of fun. This is a team that's 2-0, and they have two road wins in the same building at MetLife. Yeah, they beat weird. the Giants and the Jets in the first two weeks of the season. So this is a team riding high. This is year number two for Josh Allen, the big quarterback. They took seventh overall a year ago out of Wyoming. He actually led the team in rushing a season ago, so he doesn't necessarily look like your traditional run-pass right, quarterback right. threat. But this is a guy whose completion percentage is up through two games, very small sample size from where it was a year ago, but he's getting a little more comfortable in this offense. Yeah, I think if uh, in the last game and a half, so take out the first half of the Jets game, I think his completion percentage in that last game and a half is 68%, and that was part of his issue last year. He just he wasn't, right. overly, uh, he wasn't overly accurate. He's always been, been known to have a bad, big arm. I mean, he wasn't all that accurate at Wyoming either. His completion percentage there wasn't great, but you saw the tools with the arm, and, and that's what NFL teams saw, and they, they try to refine it. But... Uh, and Zach kind of addressed that. He's, he's a big guy, really strong arm. I probably watched all 11 games, 12 games he played at Wyoming his senior year. Um, you know, so he's you really got to wrap him up when you try to bring him down because he's big. He reminds me of Andrew Luck a little bit in that sense and that he's a lot more powerful than you think in the pocket. Um, so you got to be sure tacklers. And then he can extend plays, and, and he'll try to throw the ball 90 yards if you let him. And so the play never dies. you got to cover every inch of the field. And, you know, it seems like he's a guy that they believe in. You know, he's a quarterback's coach, former quarterback himself, obviously, in college. So I think he knows what he's talking about when it comes to quarterback play for sure. That, you know, maybe year two he's getting a, lot, a little bit more comfortable. And they've given him some running back weapons around him. Uh, Devin Singletary that, that, that has kind of sparked, although he's, he's a little nicked up at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you're seeing a little bit of that natural progression. I think that also is the caveat of you got a chance to play the Jets and the Giants. So you got a chance to ease into this a little bit. Now, the Jets defense when its personnel is there, is, is pretty good. And their their personnel hasn't been there. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, you got a chance to ease into this a little bit. But, yeah, he's, he's much better than he was a year ago. And um, if you're Buffalo, that's what you were hoping for and, and I, I'm assuming expecting as well. Okay, we're, we're going to get your prediction at the end of the podcast like we typically do. But I, I, I did hear a question in the Zach Taylor press conference. We film this as we do or tape this as we do every Wednesday after his press conference. Uh, whether or not this is a must-win game. And Taylor gave the canned answer that most coaches give and say every week is, is must-win in the NFL. I, I think every game is as important as the last. And we're through two weeks. We, we've got a lot of corrections we can make. Um, you know, we, this is going to be a big game. It's week three no matter what, whether we were 2-0, 1-1, or 0-2. It really is the same approach for us. We always have urgency to, to play our best and be on top of stuff. And so – um, this week is no different. Our guys are still confident, and we look forward to the test. But I think the spirit of that question is maybe at least on the minds of some fans sure. here. Through two weeks of this season, is it a must-win to get kind of that that good feeling back and sort of that we're, we have moved on from the previous era? Um, yes, to some degree. I think the, the, the must-win would come in of at what point if this – continues to go backwards let's just say they just cannot win a game for whatever reason at what point do you lose the confidence the players have in you because I think to this point I think schematically he's done the right things I think you know the way he handled the the Monday having the whole team watch the watch the tape uh, he's handled that well um, I don't he's not lost the room in two weeks I, I don't believe any of that stuff I, I don't believe guys aren't playing hard I, um, I think that's the case and he actually addressed that a little bit but 
Yeah, I mean, it starts to snowball, right? I mean, it felt like last year kind of started to snowball. I mean, let's not forget last year was four and one, and even at the bye week was five and three, and you thought, all right, this is not, right. this is still doable, and then it just avalanche, and some of it was injury related, but it just felt like it snowballed. If you put another performance out there like you did on Sunday, I think it could start snowballing. If you play better, let's just say you play better, lose on a last-second field goal, or you're in the game for the for the vast majority, and you corrected some of the issues we're talking about, the tackling, being in the right places, and, and all those things can get fixed, then I, I still think you, you have a chance to salvage something as this season progresses, but you can't have a another effort or, or performance. I shouldn't say effort. That's not a fair word. Another performance like this where I think it does because as a player, human nature is – Shoot, we thought these guys could coach us out of this. Now what do we do? Now where do we go? And I think as a fan, you got to be thinking the same thing. All right, we'll be back with your prediction for this game at the end of the pod. The goal of this podcast is to entertain and inform in a timely fashion. In an effort to do that, we'll skip hearing more from Zach Taylor. But we do want to preview Bengals Nation coming up at 1130 Saturday night on Local 12. My keeping it 100 this week was with wide receiver Damian Willis who didn't even get to tell his own mom that he was going to be a starter in the NFL. Who was the first person you told once you found out that you were going to start in the NFL? Actually, I was going to tell my mother. I told my mother like when I got out of practice, but she had already found out. Like My whole family found out like really right before I did, so it was like everybody knew before me because the Internet, like the social media gets out so fast. More from Willis on the show, including what he calls a must-watch on Netflix. This week marks the first edition of our Fan Faves, where new Local 12 sports anchor Chris Rankle finds some of the most diehard Bengals fans out there. This week, a little twist. Chris was tailgating with Sarah Selleck, the wife of 49ers tight end and LaSalle High School grad Garrett. When we're walking around these tailgate lots, uh, the sign caught our eye and figured that this was a good place to stop. So Sarah, tell us about your tailgate, and obviously this week's pretty big for you. This is a huge week for us. So this is our first time ever playing in Cincinnati since Garrett's been playing for eight years now. So we got to come home, spend a little time with family, um, hang out with our friends. So I have a local business in town, Pure Bar, and these are all of our girls from the studio, and they're coming out to support. They made shirts for Garrett. He's not playing today, but we are here in support and cheering him on in spirit. More from Chris and Sarah in the show, including the Cincinnati staple on the menu at her tailgate. Carlos Dunlap once again taking us in the trenches. This time, one of the players sitting down with employee 9-6 this week, third-string quarterback Jake Dolagala. But what are some things that you try to focus on when you're leading that scout team and giving us those great looks? Uh, well, I think I can do a good job with the cadence for you guys, um, you know, watching the opposing team, seeing how they go about um, their pre-snap routine and uh, – you know, and then as far as, you know, targeting receivers, throw, yeah, throwing the ball down the field, um, you know, giving you guys 50-50 balls so, uh, you know, you guys can make some plays, get some confidence. You never know who you'll find in the trenches, especially this week when the guy who runs the whole show makes an appearance. Not this show, the whole Bengals show. Now let's go back to Richard Skinner to wrap things up. Bengals at the Bills, 1 o'clock Sunday. You can catch the game on Local 12. Your prediction? Yeah, I, I am a believer to some degree that, that, that the issues against San Francisco were some of their schematics, some of their play calling. I know when you did the Telestrator with, with, with Dave Lapham on Sunday, he was, he was actually, I think, genuinely excited about some of the things that San Francisco did. Right. So some of that, I think, affected it. And, and there, you know, look, the missed tackling, you should be able to, as a professional player, tackle. Um, so I think that gets that's that gets remedied. I think some of the run fit stuff gets remedied. Um, I just I don't know if the if the running game gets remedied, and, and if it doesn't, it 
it's going to be a lot of Andy throwing the football on the road. That's a hard thing to do. Uh, keeping him upright will be a hard thing to do. I think you see them battle. I think they, you see them in it. But ultimately, I think they lose 23-17. 23-17 and break up the Buffalo Bills because they're now 3-0 and and starting to feel really good about themselves. And the Bengals search for answers if that does come to pass. Richard Skinner will be in Buffalo. Gary Miller and Richard will provide some analysis after the game on Bengals backstage on Local 12. So we will see you Sunday from Buffalo. You bet. That will do it for week three of the Bengals Nation podcast for Richard Skinner and Chris Renkel. Thanks for listening. A reminder to watch Bengals Nation on Local 12, 1130 Saturday night, and get all the latest info with Richard Skinner on our website at local12.com. Leading up to the Bengals and the Bills, 1 o'clock Sunday on Local 12.